Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. So excited that you guys are joining us this morning. So whether you're joining in person or maybe you're listening to this message later on the podcast, I'm just so excited that you guys are here, that you're engaging with us. We are currently in a series that we're calling I Will Build My Church. And this series is all about God's plan for a broken world, that um, the church is God's plan A to deliver hope to the world as it needs, and also how you were created to belong to God and to belong in this family, this spiritual family that we talked about last week that God calls the local church. And our series verse comes out of Matthew chapter 16 and in, in verse 18. And this is out of the New Living Translation. And it says this, Jesus says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And he's changed Peter's name from Simon, which meant little pebble. And you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, upon Peter's profession of faith that said, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the promised one, um, who they've been looking forward to coming for thousands of years now. Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. You don't have to. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. Guys, we have a church that is, as, uh, as society might get a little bit worse and things might little, look a little bit darker in the world, we have a church that is going to stand strong, that is going to stand firm because it's not based on our power. It is based on the power of Jesus. And I think that is a good place to celebrate because I'll mess it up if it's on me. But thank you, Jesus, that when times get dark, we have a light that we can look to in the local church. Now today, um, if you haven't seen, uh, heard about today, has, has the potential to be a little bit intense for maybe some people. Um, not like crazy here, but it might um, churn up some hurts that you might have pushed down and bottled up. Might pull up some old wounds that, um, that haven't quite healed yet. And so I was hoping I could start the message today with something a little bit funny. Because the rest of the message is not funny. Okay, so I've got a few short jokes. I couldn't decide which one I wanted to do. So I figure if I do a, a three, you might laugh at one. Um, it's just how it works. So here we go. Okay, so in Denver... I don't know why Denver, but this is what the joke says. In Denver, the, there's members of a, of a Sunday school class, these, this young Sunday school class. They were asked to write down their favorite biblical truths. And one of the young boys wrote that his favorite truth was, do one to others as others do one to you. I don't know about you. I like to do that sometimes. <laughs> I'd like to do that. Somebody calls me out on Facebook. I'd like to do one to others too. You know what I mean? Just... Just, just me. Okay, uh, how about that? Didn't go over well. Um, at a par- at a at a party, a young wife exclaimed at her husband, "That's the fourth time that you've gone back for ice cream and cake." Says me, I'm the fourth time. That's the fourth time you went back for ice cream and cake. Doesn't it embarrass you? And he said, "Why should it?" Answered the spouse, "I keep telling him it's for you." <laughs> All right, last one here. Every time that a little boy went to his friend's house. He found that his friend's grandmother was deeply engrossed in her Bible. And finally, his curiosity got the better of him. 
And he said, why do you suppose your grandma reads the Bible so much? And he said, I'm not sure, said the friend, but I think she's cramming for finals. <laughs> Morbid, I know. Welcome to Summit View. You're all going to die one day. You walk. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? All right, let me pray for us. We're, no. <laughs> Funny. So uh, most of you that have spent any amount of time around here, you, you know my story, at least a little bit of it. Um, I was not raised in church. I was an atheist until I was 16 years old, didn't want anything to do with God, didn't want to believe in, in anything really. I had no desire to be a part of the Christian religion or join any type of church. I'd only ever heard bad things about the church, honestly, and I, knew, and I partied with a couple people that went to church on Sundays, you know what I mean? And so I didn't want to be a part of it. Well, long story short, at 16 years old, I'd lost, uh, I'd lost both of my parents, and I ended up giving my life to Jesus, and I joined a church, um, First Baptist Church of Live Oak, Florida. Uh, the pastor's name was Philip Harrington. He's still pastoring there today. And uh, great church, great people. And I joined, I really plugged in with the youth group. It was called Doulos, which is Greek, uh, Doulos means it's Greek for servant. And uh, that was the youth group name because at the time that was the cool thing, just you know, it's still a cool thing. We call our youth group Elevate. That's Greek for, it's not Greek at all. It's just English. You know, we're not that sophisticated. So, but um, at Dulos, the youth pastor there was, his name was Will King. He was the one that, um, that won me to Jesus, that led me to Christ. And he now pastors a great church, Bethesda Baptist in Clayton, North Carolina. And uh, while I was at First Baptist there, um, that's where I felt my first ever call to ministry. I promise this is not going to be a biography forever. I just want to set the stage, okay? This is where I felt my first ever call um, to ministry. And it was one night that was late. Um, it was at youth group and... It was on a Wednesday night, and I was serving on the worship team. I played lead guitar. That was my first uh, moment in the stage on, on church. I was playing lead guitar. And uh, during the message, Pastor Will, he asked, um, anybody, anyone that has a desire to serve in full-time ministry, uh, after the service, I want to speak to you. And at the end of the service, he made that call again, and it felt like Honestly, it was weird because it felt like my feet moved themselves. I'd never had a desire before to serve as a pastor or serve in any kind of um, ministerial role in the church. And honestly, I'd never even thought about it before. But when he made that call, it was weird. I can't explain it. My body just kind of moved. And, uh, and it was an experience I, I just, I don't know, to this day, it was, one of, it was one of those weird ones that you know about that you're like, okay, something happened there. Because in that moment, I, I, I still remember it sitting here today. And so I went off to college after I graduated high school, and I made up my mind that I was going to serve in ministry for the rest of my life. That's what I wanted to do. And so I've served on worship teams. I've served as a worship director before. I've served as a connections leader in the church. I've served as a creative director. I've served as a youth pastor. My wife and I have served as children's pastors. I've served as an executive pastor. And today I get the joy of serving here at Summit View as the lead pastor. And I gave my life to Jesus at 16 years old. And so I've been serving in ministry now for 14 years. And I say all of that to say this, that I have a little bit of experience in the church. Um, I've seen a lot of things looking from the outside in. And I've seen a lot of things looking from the inside out. And I've seen so many lives that were radically changed and radically transformed um, 
within the church, but I've also seen many lives that were hurt because of what they experienced at the church. And uh, I stand up here many times, past few weeks I sit up here many times, and I give, I, I give a highlight reel of all these amazing things that I've seen within the church, the salvations, the healings, the relationships that have been formed, the relationships that have been restored. And you may look at me and think that I must have experienced just all the great moments in church for me to still want to be in ministry. But I want to tell you this. I want to let you know this morning that, yeah, I've experienced some amazing moments in, in God's local church, and I love to celebrate them. But I've also experienced hurt at a very deep level. I've, I've experienced betrayal. I've experienced pain. I've experienced rejection. And unfortunately, at times, I've also been the one that's been delivering the hurt. I've experienced it all. But some of my greatest, some of my greatest joy-filled moments happened within the local church, but also some of my hardest, deepest pains and hurts have also taken place in the church. And that's where I want us to go today. I want us to talk about, uh, honestly, um, a subject that I think is not talked about enough. Where has the church hurt people? How has the church hurt people? And what do we do when we feel like we've been hurt by the church now, there was, a, uh, there was a Barna study. Barna is this um, Christian organization that they do a lot of polls and surveys and things like that. There was a Barna study from 2010 that I use Barna a whole lot when I'm writing some term papers and stuff when I'm in Bible school. Barna is a great place to reference stuff from. But they had a study in 2010 among unchurched adults in America that shows that nearly four out of every ten Non-church-going Americans, 37% of non-going church Americans in, in 2010 said that they avoid churches because of negative past experiences in churches or with church people. I think if I was to ask you to raise your hand in here if you've ever had a negative experience with the church or um, known somebody that's had a negative experience with the church, I would say 100% of our hands would be up because it's, it's a... It's, it's something that um, you, can't, you can't avoid it. Church hurt is a, is a very real thing. And honestly, I didn't realize how many people it impacted until I started studying on the subject that it impacts more people than we even realize. And, and church hurt is a very unique type of hurt in, in the way that it affects you. Um, church hurt can affect you in such a deep emotional level that that honestly other places can't even touch. And, and most people that are hurt by the church, it's unique in the fact that they don't give it a second chance. There's a lot of people that won't give church a second chance because they've been hurt one time. And so why would I go back to the place that hurt me? Here's the challenge, though, that when, when someone says they got hurt by the church, guys, the church, church necessarily, church can't hurt you. Like, when we talk about church as the place you go, the organization, right? A church can't necessarily hurt you, but, but what does hurt you is the people that make up the church. And there's relationships that you formed on a very deep level with some of these people. And, and all of a sudden, you turn around and you've been betrayed. My dad used to correct me sometimes when I'd like bump my foot on the corner or something. I'd say, that stupid door. He'd say that. That door can't be stupid because it doesn't have a brain. He'd tell me that all the time. I still call inanimate objects stupid, by the way. I never learned. But it's the same thing with the church. Like, people hurt you, but the church in itself, it, it, 
it's made up of people, but the church in itself is not what's, what's caused the pain. But because people are people and people are imperfect, it's impossible to avoid it. It's impossible to avoid getting hurt in relationships. And, uh, and where we come together every single Sunday and we meet each other here and we grow together, it's often unavoidable. There's two, re- two realities when we talk about church hurt, okay? One is that it's usually unintentional. We've got to get to that place. Usually when you're hurt by someone in the church, it's usually unintentional. Someone said something that stung, uh, a decision was made that hurt you, a misunderstanding occurred and it bothered you, maybe a leadership role never came to fruition and it frustrated you. There's so many things I could go on and on. None of this is good, it's not right, it's not fun, but this is the reality that we're all a bunch of imperfect people that are interacting together. And, and most, of, most of hurt is not a black and white area. Most of hurt is really a gray area. And usually it's just, it's unintentional. And so sometimes we have to give a little grace, but there are moments that it is intentional, that there are people that have hurt you because they've tried to hurt you. And I'm so sorry for that. Like, I know I didn't do it. Maybe I did. I don't know if we did. If I did, I hope we've talked about it already. Um, but, but sometimes it is intentional that people set out to hurt you because hurting people hurt people. People that are hurting, they, they, they will hurt people as they lash out. And uh, sometimes they're just mean to you because they're broken. Maybe gossip gets to you, staff member fails you, pastor offends you, leader fails in some big way, money's mishandled, church politics are made a huge issue within the church, whatever that may be. Bad experiences in church can be very serious because they really damage your ability to connect with God and to connect with other believers. Now, whether it happened intentionally or unintentionally, we can all just be real and say, it hurts. It still hurts. I, you're like, I don't care if they meant to or not. It, it hurts. And maybe, you've, maybe it's been 10 years since you've been back and you're just giving church a try finally again. Well, great job for trying, um, and I, I hope that we aren't a church that's, that's going to hurt you, but, but, you know, sometimes it just happens, and, it, and it's real. And, uh, you know, bad experiences within the church, though, they're not new. They're not within the last 50 years. They're not within the last 100 years. We can read about it all through the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 through 4, says this, You still live as men who are not Christians. When you act jealous and fight with each other, you're still living in sin and acting like sinful men in the world. See, this church was dealing with jealousy. They're dealing with fighting with each other. There's a whole lot of stuff that's going on within the church. The turmoil was happening even back then, like thousands of years ago. This is still happening in the church. Now, the Apostle Paul, one of the, one of the guys, one of the main authors of your Bible different books in, the, in your New Testament, he didn't just address the hurt, but he actually, this guy, he was like, he was a bigwig, um, if you'd say, among the church. Like Jesus chose him to plant a whole bunch of churches around a whole lot of space over a lot of, a lot of years. He's a bigwig. And he even dealt with church hurt himself. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we see it. This is verses 10 and then verses 14 through 16. He says, Demas left me. He loved the things of this world, and he's gone to the city of Thessalonica. Alexander, the man who makes things out of copper, he's worked hard against me. The Lord will give him the pay that's coming to him. Watch him. He fought against every word that we preached. 
And at my first trial, no one helped me. Everyone left me. And I hope this will not be held against him. See, Paul even dealt with it. The, the rejection, the betrayal, everyone is leaving him. But, you know, we don't, have to, it, we don't have to stay in the place that, yes, it happened and, yes, it hurts. But I, I really believe that there is a way to heal from it. And so I want to address this morning, there's going to be four points this morning. If, you take, if you're taking notes, you've got a message notes in front of you, I'd encourage you to take notes. Um, and hopefully for some of you, this might bring some healing to some wounds that maybe you didn't even know you had. Or maybe you knew very well you had them. But I, I think God has a plan for you being here today. So what do we do when church hurt, ha- church hurt happens? Say that five times fast. Good night. Okay, what do we do when church hurt happens? Number one. We need to acknowledge it for what it is. You've got to acknowledge it for what it is. Don't pretend like you're not hurt. Don't act tough on the outside when you're hurting on the inside. Don't put on a false front for people. Psalms chapter 51 verse 6 says this, says, Behold, talking, he's speaking with God here. He's writing this to God. He says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. God loves it when we're truthful to ourselves. When we're honest to ourselves, that is what God loves and he'll, he'll, he'll impart wisdom to you in that, in that place where you're truthful to yourself. you got to call it for what it is. You can't sit here and pretend that you're okay when you're not okay. Guys, it's okay to not be okay. It's all right. This is the place that you need to be because we're a bunch of people that are not okay. We're all right. We're like, we're very imperfect and, and pretty mediocre, if I do say so myself. We're just imperfect people. But come on and join us because we could always use one more. But God loves it when you're truthful to yourself, when you're honest in the inward being because God, God can't repair what we won't recognize. God can't even start work in a place that we won't recognize ourselves. There's a, there's, I, I want to also address this when we talk about acknowledging it for what it is, we've got to know there are wounds and there are scars. Okay, there's wounds and there's scars. Now, a wound is something that has not healed, right? And a scar is something that hangs around and it reminds you of, of, a, of a previous wound, right? Like a scar is healed up, but a wound hasn't quite healed yet. In counseling, they'll tell you um, to remember that wounds are not scars and scars are not wounds. And so... The hope is that the wounds in your heart will eventually become a scar. But how do you know the difference? A wound um, is untouchable. You can't, you can't touch a wound and not hurt. So like, uh, but, a, but a scar, a, a scar when you, when you touch it, it doesn't hurt, but, it, but you remember. So here's how that applies to us today. How do you, how do you react when a situation is brought up? When a person's brought up around you, how are you reacting? Does it trigger you? Do you recoil sharply? Maybe you lash out at the person that's asking the question or talking about it. That's a great sign that in this case, you've got a wound that hasn't healed. Because scars, you can touch them and they won't hurt. But a wound, you can't touch it or else you're going to lash out. You probably have, if that's you, a wound that hasn't healed. But the good news is now you know where to start. 
Sometimes God lets our wounds get exposed. He lets them finally come back to the surface because on the surface is where they get healed. And when they're brought to the light, that's when they, they get healed. But it's kind of like sometimes you've got to peel back the layers of the onion. You've got to deal with the, out, the, the outside things so you can get down to the deep root of the, of the issue. But God wants to heal your wounds. But you've got to start with acknowledging it for what it is because God can't repair what we won't recognize. Number two... You got to talk with somebody that you trust. Talk with someone you trust. James chapter 5, we talked about this I think last week. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, "Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Talk to each other about your weaknesses. Talk to each other about how you're hurting because God says that that is where we find our healing." You can pray to God, you can but God has set it up to where when we're in relationship with each other, The majority of my healing emotionally is going to come when I'm talking to somebody about it that I trust and that handles it the right way back. So you got to talk to somebody that you trust. Healing comes when we bring that issue to light. Healing comes when we verbalize it. That's when the process begins, when you verbalize it, when you start saying, you know what, that hurt. But healing comes when we verbalize it, when we speak it out. Imagine having a broken bone. And not going to the doctor because you feel like, if you, don't y'all even laugh at me, don't y'all, I know there's some hearse in the back that are giggling away, don't even laugh at me. Imagine having a broken bone and not going to the doctor because you feel like if you ignore it, it'll heal itself. Don't laugh at me, Patty Barnes, she already got on to me this morning. She said, you need to go get your x-ray done. I said, I know, maybe it'll heal before I get there. But imagine having a broken bone not going to the doctor because you feel like if you ignore it, it heals itself. It doesn't work like that. Imagine not taking care of a wound because you feel like it's just going to take care of itself. You know what happens then? Infection. Infection happens, and then it's even worse than it started. But in order for that bone to heal correctly, other people need to be involved with it, like a doctor. You've got to you got to have someone in your life that you trust, that you can share this with, that your, hurt, that your heart is hurting because of something that has happened. Because bottling it up and pushing it down only works for so long. I can say that because I'm a bottler and a, and a shover, and, and Cassie doesn't like when it comes out. It's just it's like a nuclear bomb here. But you can only bottle it up and you can push it down for so long. You've got to have people that you can share this with. So you might have a good friend, you might have a mentor, you might have a hero that you can trust and that you can share with them this truth. You can be vulnerable with them. That's the, that's the, that's the key is you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to be vulnerable with them and you've got to trust them. But if you don't have it, guys, I encourage you to talk to a professional. Like, that's not bad. Sometimes, sometimes you need to talk to a professional anyway because they're trained to give you the level of care that you need. Sometimes you don't even realize the level of care that you need. And it, it takes a professional to tell you. It takes a professional to, to, to expose that to you. See, talking to a professional about these things, about your hurts and your wounds, talking to a professional is not weakness, guys. Talking to a professional doesn't mean you're a lunatic. It means that you care enough about yourself and those around you that you're going to talk with somebody that is trained to help you deal with the difficult topics, 
I, see, I have pastor friends that they meet regularly with a counselor, not because they have to, but because they don't want to get to a place where they have to. So they're like, it's, it's, like they're, it's kind of like taking your car in for a tune-up. They're taking it into the garage for a tune-up because they don't want it to break down one day. Not because it's broken down, but because they don't want it to. It's okay to talk to somebody that has trained very highly. There's a whole lot of hours that, that uh, mental health professionals put in, and they do it for free, like years for free. It's, ter- it's crazy how many years they enter. But they put in a whole lot of effort, and they've got a whole lot of knowledge to help you deal with some of the things that just on surface level, you have no idea what, how to deal with it. So I'd encourage you, if, if you're at a place where you don't know who to talk to, Go talk to somebody. Go talk to somebody that that is trained, that can help you. And there is a line here to walk, though, okay? I I just want to set this here. There's a line here um, to walk because if you you pick someone to talk to that is not equipped to help you, it's going to become gossip real quick. And the Bible says gossip is a no-go. That's not a good thing. So the difference between talking for healing and gossiping has everything to do with your motives and your heart position. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on some toes. Venting and gossip are very, very closely related. Like you're like, but I was just venting. It's, it's just, it's just a, a, what do I say, a frog's hair away from, from gossip if you're... If you're, it just depends where your heart's at. And here's, here's the difference. If you're talking to someone about what someone did, and the person that you're talking to can't do anything about the situation, can't help it at all, it's gossip. It turns into a bashing session real quick. So you got to be careful. And even you could start the conversation with all the right motives, saying, hey, I just want to talk about how I'm hurting, but then it switches. you got to be very careful about how you let your conversation shift and how your heart motives shift because it can turn into a bashing, bashing session real quick. And I found myself in that place numerous occasions. And it's like a, it'll sneak up on you like a snake in the grass. But it's not gossip if the person that you're talking to about it, um, that, you're, that you're talking with the intention of your own healing and health. That's not gossip at all. In this case, you... If you're talking for healing, you're not going to make it about how terrible of a person they are. You're going to be more fixated on how their, effect, their actions have affected you. There's, see the difference? It's all about the motives. I'm not here to complain about somebody. I'm here to say, hey, their actions took a toll on me, and I want to be healed from it. The point here is, if you're hurting, you've got to talk with somebody. You've got to talk with somebody that you can trust. Because... Healing comes when we expose the wound. So stop trying to cover it up. You got to talk with somebody. You got to talk, you got to share with somebody that you trust. Number 3, you got to look for the good. Look for the good. I know it's hard sometimes. I know it can get very very difficult. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says this, says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about such things. Noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about those things. Look for the good. Focus on the good. See, when we experience trauma, 
Our tendency is to start filtering everything else through the lens of that pain. What what does that look like? It looks like distrust. It looks like paranoia. It looks like distancing. It looks like self-destructive behavior. And not just from the person that hurt you either. Like everybody in your life. You have a tendency to start doing this to everyone and everything. And it's like a weed that will consume your heart if you don't pull it up by the root. And you got to pull it when it's young because it, it hangs on. The longer that you last, it hangs on more and more and more. And sooner or later, you're going to start distrusting everybody. You're going to start thinking everyone's out to get you. You're going to start um, thinking the cards are all stacked against you. You can go ahead and distance yourself from those relationships because subconsciously you make steps to remove yourself before you get hurt again. That's what this looks like. That's, what, that's how we, we tend to react to, to trauma. But what happens neurologically, what happens in your brain, and this is why it's so hard once we get into that rut to get out of it, because what happens in your brain is that when your brain starts thinking a new way, it starts creating these new neural pathways. It starts creating new roads, new interstates around in your brain of how to take from one point to another. It starts mapping them out and it literally carves out neural pathways in your brain. And so the more that you think about um, down that path of, of this negative, everybody's out to get me, uh, I've got distrust for these people, the more that you think about that, the deeper that pathway is being carved in your brain. And so, not like literally, but I, I don't think. But So with trauma, it causes you to, to create this habit of viewing this glass as half full because your brain has carved out that road map. To where you see something and you take it half full as quick as you can get there. Because your brain has carved out that road already. And before you know it, you've got these deep pathways that are in your brain that you can't even help but to be pessimistic about everything. So what you have to do, luckily there's, there's, you can fix it. But what you have to do, it takes a little bit of work. What you have to do is you have to force yourself to create new neural pathways. You've got to force yourself to make new roads for, your, for the, the, the logic the track, to track through your brain. You've got, to, um, you've got to create those new neural pathways. So like when you, make, um, a, when you write a list consistently of three things that you're thankful for every morning or when you force yourself to look, f- to look for good, you've got to force yourself to look for good in every person and every situation you're, you're carving deeper pathways in your brain that's going to cause you, before you know it, to change into a glass half-full half type of person. So there's ways that you, can, that you can handle it, but it takes some work. And so Paul knew that, that despite people hurting him, he, still, he knew he still needed people. So like he had, to, he had to make sure that his brain was trained into, I'm going to look for the good here. I'm going to look for the good in people. Listen, it might be hard to find. There's a whole lot of people that I know that you've got to search a long time for it. But you can find something. And if you look hard enough, Paul, Paul saw this. He said, no matter what, I know that I need people. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 says this, Come to me as soon as you can. Luke is the only one here with me. Bring Mark when you come. He is a help to me in this work. 
See, the the tendency of our own sinful nature, the tendency of our our human condition here, is that sin helps us see the best in ourselves and the worst in others. And we've got to reverse that. We've got to start seeing the best in other people. We've got to start looking for the good in other people. Because it's people who bring the hurt. But y'all, it's also people who bring the healing and who bring the help. And if you filter that out of your life... You don't have the solution. It's going to be people. So you got to look for the good and everything. And then finally, number four, and this is one that's really important. Probably if you forget all these others, this one is the one I need you to hang on to because he can work out all the details for you. Number four, don't abandon Jesus. You've been hurt by the church. You weren't hurt by Jesus. You were hurt by, by people that follow Him. We're still imperfect. You know, we're going to be imperfect until He comes back for us. And He makes us all brand new. And we're going to be living in a world full of imperfect people. Here's the trap. That when we, when we get ourselves deeply rooted in this trauma, in this response to trauma, we can begin to see God through the church hurt filter. We can, start, we can start viewing it that God hurt us because God's people hurt us. And that's not the truth. That's not the case. That's a trap. That's a lie of the enemy. There is an enemy out there that wants to, to steal every good thing that your soul touches. And he wants to destroy you from the inside out. And this is a real quick way to let him do it. But it's a trap. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17 Paul writes this. He's going through hardship. And he says, But the Lord was with me. Through it all, no matter what I faced, the Lord was with me. He gave me power to preach the good news so all the people who don't know God might hear. In your time of trouble, don't abandon Jesus because He hasn't abandoned you. It might feel like it, but I promise you this. The Bible says this, I think in Psalm chapter 34, says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's near to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. You may feel like God's far away, but He's not abandoned you. He's not left you. If anything, He's closer to you today in your hurt, in your pain, in your turmoil than He was yesterday. He's close to the brokenhearted. In your time of trouble, don't abandon Jesus. Guys, they may have left you. That person may have left you, but Jesus didn't. They may have hurt you, but Jesus didn't. They they may have betrayed you, but Jesus didn't. can't judge God's character by the character of God's people sometimes. Sometimes we we mess up. Listen, I'll say it again. I've been on the delivering end of hurting somebody before. It does not feel great. I've been on that end. And you know what? (laughs) I've hurt somebody's feelings before in this church. And you know what I said? I said, I'm so sorry. That was not my intention. 
But I can make you one promise. I'm probably going to do it again. And it's not going to be because I, not because I want to, but because I'm imperfect. Sometimes we've got to give a little bit of grace. But in, in, the, in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your pain, you can't abandon Jesus because he hasn't abandoned you. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 15, says this, For we do not have a high priest. Talking about Jesus, he's our, he's our high priest. He, he stands before God and he intercedes on our behalf, meaning he's standing before God and he's making a case for us. We don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And listen to this. Let us then, because of that, because we have a high priest that can identify with our weaknesses, that can identify with our pain, that can identify with our struggle, with our hurt, with our betrayal, with our rejection. Because we have a high priest who's gone through that. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help us in our time of need. You've got a Savior in Jesus who knows what you're going through. You are not alone. Don't abandon the only one that knows. You're not alone in this. And because he's gone through it before we did, he can empathize with us. He understands. And because of that, we can have confidence when we go to God's throne of mercy and grace and we can receive help in our time of need. And we're stuck running away from the source because someone in the church hurt us. We're running away from the only solution that we have. Jesus knows what you're dealing with. In fact, it is safe to say that Jesus is the only one that knows what each of us are going through. We have a Savior that's been there before. He made Himself human. He experienced life just like we have. He's experienced betrayal at its worst. He's experienced pain at its worst. He's experienced people at their worst. So don't run from Him. Run to Him. That's the only place that you're going to find help in your time of need. You ever been to a restaurant before and you're, you're in the waiting area and maybe another family gets seated before you but they came in after you and you're heated. Maybe the, the waiter was rude. Maybe they're inattentive to your needs. The food wasn't cooked right. You don't say... I'm done with restaurants. I'm never eating again. You may not go back to that restaurant, but don't give up on all of them because one restaurant was inattentive to your needs because one restaurant didn't deliver. You don't say, I'm giving up on restaurants forever. Guys, don't judge Jesus by the action of some Christians. Don't give up on your faith because some, some Christian has hurt you. Some churches hurt you. Don't judge all churches by some churches. And most importantly, don't allow hurt to stop you from trusting a great and a loving God.
because it may take some time. I don't know how deep you're wounded. It might take some time to heal. It's not going to be overnight. But I promise you this, that if you stay close to Jesus, if you acknowledge your hurt, if you look for the good in people, if you talk to somebody that you trust and you stay close to Jesus, I promise you that next year, you're going to be a whole lot better off than you are right now. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.